Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the Gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, we are joined by our very special guest, Ed Diaz, who delivered the sermons in our classic services this week. We talked to him about his ministry and this week's messages in the series, Won't You Be My Neighbor? We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to Armchair Preaching. This is episode number 28, and today is a special day in our armchair because we have a special guest. Uh, John is Drum here. Roll, please. Pa- Pastor John is here with us, but also uh, Ed Diaz is here. Welcome, Ed. Ed Diaz. Hey. Great to be here. He's in the house. Welcome, Ed. Ed's here because he uh, preached with us this past Sunday, which he's done m- numerous times, in the, especially in the last year, year and a half. Um, and uh, well-known teacher for our church and throughout the community. So thanks for being here this morning, Ed. It's an honor. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man. And Ed was in our classic services for those that don't know and uh, preached through um, this week's message in Won't You Be My Neighbor, which we'll get into in a moment, but I do want to talk to Ed a little bit about kind of your background and history. You mentioned it at the beginning of your message. This is FPC Lakeland is your home church. Yes. Um, So tell me about your introduction to FPC and your history with FPC and, 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 you know, kind of where you've been since. Sure. My wife and I moved uh, to Lake Wales in 1980, uh, but my parents had been in Lakeland since 1968. So I've known people in Lakeland for quite a while. Came mm. to Christ in Lakeland on Cleveland Heights Boulevard oh. in 1969. Uh, and in 1980, we moved to Lake Wales to start a ministry of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it became pretty obvious that there was a whole lot more to do in Lakeland than there was going on in Lake Wales. Lake yeah. Wales is not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. Yeah. <laughs> so we love Lake Wales, still have great friends there. Yeah. But uh, the pastor at the time in this church was Dr. Henry Dahlberg. Yeah. And he invited us to come do a six-week introductory class for young couples. Yeah. There weren't that many at the time. The sanctuary was almost brand new. They didn't even build a nursery into the sanctuary because mm-hmm. there were no babies around. So we committed to do six weeks, and after six weeks, the class doubled in size. Yeah. He asked us for another six weeks, and the class kind of doubled in size again. And over the course of the next year, it became a pretty significant number of people. And over that time, uh, it was very clear in, in the Lord's leading that we needed to be living in Lakeland. So we yeah. moved to Lakeland in 1983 yeah. and started the Young Couples class, which Zach now teaches as the Agape class. Yeah. We changed the name to Agape along the way because we weren't young anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's and, what uh, happens to young adult classes all the time, but, right? But there were hundreds of people. The story that I've heard is there were hundreds of people yeah. who, who were part of that class I mean, yes. at one time. I mean, God really honored us in terms of who and how many and... It was really a fun time. We did a lot of things socially together and just grew together as families. We did once a month, we did something socially, and my wife was especially adept at, the, adept at that. So, yeah, that's where it, where it all started. I was here for 22 years, yeah, and then was asked to help start a church in South Lakeland. So, we went out there for a while on what we call our missionary journey <laughs> missionary and, journey uh, to South Lakeland. That's right. <laughs> and then, after the uh, after the hurricane, we felt a real hunger to be back moving in ministry in town Yeah, and had a, always a love for First Pres and the commitment to the community. Yeah, And so spoke with Pastor Loudon at the time, who was here before Pastor John, and 
uh, he invited us to come home. Yeah. So we did, and we've been come here home. for two and a half like years, that. and we have loved being here. Two, 2017, right? Was that Correct. right? Right after Irma. Right, right, right after, after Her- Irma. Her- 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 Our first Sunday was the combined service right after the storm. The lawn was oh. still full of debris. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was quite a – it seems like – long time ago but it wasn't that long ago no. a, lot, a lot of stuff has happened let's hope it stays and, in the but, rearview yeah. mirror and and ed was uh, i should mention too ed was very helpful during the transition between pastor mike's retirement pastor john's entry um when pastor kenny and i were in that that kind of that transition role we called on folks to do preaching teaching from outside although ed's not technically outside the church uh he's not an ordained uh pastor in our congregation our denomination but very well respected so it was very helpful in that you preached probably two or three times during that period yes that was fun to do yeah. and thrilled to get to help yeah and you've one, done one of those times was one of the times that i was busy checking out First Presbyterian oh Church, <laughs> and there's Ed, Ed preaching. So I think it might have even been the first Sunday that I was here when I preached my candidating sermon. I, I saw you afterwards. We met afterwards. Said I know you. That's yeah. the first time yeah. we yeah, met. Yeah, I like I, I like this guy. Yeah. So I was really yeah. you know he's he's a very um, engaging person. Yeah, yeah. If you all haven't met him, you, yeah. you need to meet this guy. He's a very yeah. engaging person. Thank well, you. as you mentioned in your sermon, they can just go to Palace Pizza pretty much any day of the week. <laughs> no, I'm at Palace four days a week. That's right. <laughs> I, I've seen you many times down yeah. there as well, too. Free advertising. Yeah. It's free advertising. <laughs> That's right. Hey, listen, they, they, they don't need a whole lot, man, because no. it, is, it, is, <laughs> it is right there, the best pizza in town, especially there, so that's cool. Man. Ed, Ed I, I don't remember if you said it in your sermon or somebody introduced you, but you ha- you also have a ministry. Correct. And what if you could tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, we I went to seminary, uh, spent four years getting a what is the equivalent of a Ph.D. degree in, uh, in, the, in the 70s, and really was very young at the time when I graduated. I was only 26, and felt like uh, to be in a church situation and be a pastor was not going to be uh, a, a great thing at my young age. So we helped start a ministry called Walk Through the Bible, we moved our family. My wife and I just had our first son. We moved to Oregon, and we took Walk Through the Bible online up there in Portland, and that grew from four men and their families to 50 people. We moved all of that to Atlanta in uh, 1978, and in Atlanta it doubled again in size, but yeah. at that point I'd been tired of traveling around every weekend and teaching. It was great fun, and I was young enough to do it then, but I started having more and more children. So mm. in 1980, we committed to uh, leave Atlanta and mm-hmm. thought we would stay there and, and work in a church. But as, as it worked out, the Lord had us move to Lake Wales. And that was his reason to bring us there was to bring us back to, to Lakeland. My yeah. parents had moved to Lakeland in 1968, so yeah. had longtime friends here and uh, did not like Lakeland when I first got here, but grew to love it pretty quickly. And we've raised all four sons here, yeah. and nine of our 13 grandchildren live here. And and pretty much everybody knows at least one of your kids through various activities here. Johnny's obviously famous, but I know your son, Zach, uh, who had has done... Great work. name, by the way. It is a great name. I agree. <laughs> but you've has, you have sons that have worked at Southern Homes, yep. and, and uh, one of your sons was my contractor on my home. Oh, and I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the joke yeah. in our family is or we is have it? four sons, two that work and two that play. Uh, you know, my, <laughs> oh, my yeah. first and third son are builders and they work. Yeah. And my second son played baseball for a lot of his yeah. career. He's now a baseball coach here in town. Yeah. And uh, and then my fourth son Johnny plays music. Yeah. So yeah. they work and play. Work and it. play. Work and play. Well, it kind of kind of kind of rounds you out as well too, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Right. 
Well, thanks, Ed. That's uh, it's great. Um, want to talk about this Sunday? So we were in our our series, "Won't You Be My Neighbor," and uh, this week we were talking about. We we're really focused on one particular passage in Acts fifteen, the Jerusalem Council. So I want to talk for a second. I was in Vine. You were in Classic. I want to talk a little bit about your approach to that Acts 15 moment. It's a very pivotal moment in the life of the early church. What were some of the things that were really important to you to get across when you were approaching that text for the congregation? Sure. I mean, it's the first church council, and in many ways the most important, because apart from the Jerusalem council, we're in danger of having two churches. Right off the bat. We're going to have a Gentile church to go alongside of the Jewish church. Mm -hmm. All the original believers in in the book of Acts in chapter 2 were likely from a Jewish background, and yet over a very short period of time, I think in the sermon it's 17 or 18 years, the church has slowly, gradually become uh, dominated by the Gentile world. So the question is, do the Gentiles uh, have to come to faith in Jesus by first becoming Jewish? Must they undergo the rites of circumcision, obey the feast days, eat kosher food, Mm -hmm. worship on the Sabbath, obey all 613 Old Testament commandments in the way the Jews would try to do? And the point of the council was to say, absolutely not. The the Jews uh, have access to God now only through the person of Christ, as do the Gentiles. The Gentiles do not have to become Jewish in order to to come to faith in Christ. So that's a big, big question solved in the early in the early chapters of the church. Yeah, and it precipitated by um, a couple of different incidences, which you and I both kind of mentioned. One is the incident with uh, Peter and Cornelius, yes, and the other, uh, which is mentioned or hinted at in the in Peter's speech at the Jerusalem Council. But what really kind of sets this off is that first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, and you mentioned John Mark as well as part of that journey, um, because there's conflict. Um, because Paul is is doing what Jesus asked the disciples to do, go into all the world. He's yeah. actually, he and his his entourage are actually trying to do that, and they're running into non, uh, non-Jewish folks, people that have a cultural background that's very different, have no interest. These are not like some of the early Gentiles who who are try- who are on their way to becoming Jewish yeah, they already. They weren't God-fearers who yeah. were on the way to becoming Jewish. know God by way of Israel. Yeah. They yeah. were Totally independent of that, and uh, you know, God uses Paul and Barnabas in that first journey to, to to plant several churches. But along their way, they were followed by a group we call the Judaizers, yeah, absolutely, who would come alongside and say, "Yeah, you've trusted Jesus, and that's good, but we've got to add something to that." And it's similar to today by way of application. People say, "Well, you have to know Jesus, but yeah. you also must either be baptized or give a mountain of money to the church yeah. or sing in the choir or become a member of this or that or the other." And Again, Peter sums it up at the end of the council where he says they are saved by grace just as we are. It's Jesus plus nothing else. Yeah. And, and the funny thing, too, in that, in that, and one of the things I mentioned in my sermon was one of the, Peter highlights a unifying principle, the faith in Jesus, but also that the Jewish people couldn't, couldn't, Keep the, the six hundred. They couldn't keep the six hundred thirteen, <laughs> you know, uh, commands either. Um, it was just part of their cultural DNA, where it was not part of the cultural DNA of the Gentiles. Sure, but but Peter says, look, it it's it's not that's not the that's not the main thing. The main thing is Jesus Christ. Well, well and the Jews, know, guys, I know I know both both of you guys. It was the text of the day, so the job of the preacher was to expound on the text of the day, but. You know, think about that. That why is that so? Why is that moment 
so so significant. What yeah. what was it? You, what was it you were trying to communicate, and both of you about because you both went through beautiful, went through the detail of it. Because you're sitting in the congregation, and I've listened to both. I was there for yours, and I was listening to yours online, Zach. And you know, you you you, you took a good bit of time to 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 walk us through what was happening. Yeah. What was what was important to you about why you wanted to communicate that that well of what was happening in that moment? Why is it so big? Yeah, for me it was and 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 Ed you just kind of mentioned it. I think because we are still in danger of those kinds of splits all the time over non-essential things. Uh, not in da- we've done it. I mean, we've sure. done it over cultural type things. And I think uh I think if we don't have our eyes wide open, and you talked about the recognition, if we don't have our eyes wide open that we are very good at building walls and fences and yeah. and, and barriers based on non-essentials, uh, if we're not aware of that, then we're going to continue just to to create those cultural markers and, and always do the Jesus plus, and that yeah. equals salvation, rather than Jesus and nothing. I mean, it's nothing else. So I, and, I, mean, and I think it was Philip Melanchthon at the time of the Reformation was a mentor of Luther. And yeah. He said, you know, in, yeah. in essentials, unity. Yeah. In non-essentials, uh, liberty. In yeah. all things, charity. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, unfor- you know, the church, rather than being known as peacemakers who love one another, uh, oftentimes we're known as uh, schism makers who yeah. have yeah. differences that cause all the different denominations to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that we both mentioned, kind of made jokes about it, was the people didn't, you know, sometimes we in the Presbyterian Church and, and a lot of mainline churches get kind of, oh, you can't do anything without a council or a committee, right? But yes. but but in and and that that's not uh, it's some that's kind of true, right? Yes. We both made jokes about the fact, well that's actually baked into the the nature of it. And part of that is that they came together, they had the heated debate but then they listened to the voices of the people that that were watching God work. You know, they they watched Peter, and 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 one of the things I really loved, and I, I've you know read the Jerusalem Council passage so many times, but how James uses Peter's Hebrew name. Yes, that was great, Simeon. I, I love that he doesn't he, he uses the Hebrew name just just so he's reminding all the yeah. the Jewish people in the room. The guy that's talking, he was resistant to eat unclean food because he's a Hebrew and he's he's a Jewish man. Um, I, to me, I thought that was on from James' point of view. That was such a wise move to say. Peter had to make a jump. Peter had to make a jump from from this mentality of Jew- and he and he didn't do it perfectly as we know in the book of Galatians. He still had problems. He, yeah. he still yeah. stumbled with it, um, which is. You expect that, but then he also accepted correction from Paul in that moment as well. Too. Yes, they ended at the end of the New Testament. He calls Peter. Uh, he calls Paul our our beloved brother Paul. Yeah, in the book of Second yeah. Peter, which yeah. is a wonderful reconciliation verse. Yeah, I think the other thing with Peter that's so fun is you know he had the keys. He yeah, had the keys, of the kingdom, and there's so much uh, discrepancy about what that means. But clearly, in the book of Acts, he uses the keys to give access to the three people groups: the yeah. Jews in Acts chapter two. Give access, get access to the to the church because of Peter's message. The Samaritans, although Philip was their main minister, uh, Peter went down and laid hands on them and mm-hmm. gave them access to the body of Christ. Again, we didn't need two churches, a Jewish church and a Samaritan church. Yeah. And we certainly didn't need a Gentile church. So it was Peter, even though Paul is going to be the apostle to the Gentiles, Peter had to deal with Cornelius and the vision First. of the sheet coming down and lay hands on and give approval to and give access with the keys to the body of Christ. Yeah. And so he's such a critical person in there. And I think that... You know, James, as the pastor of the Jerusalem church, 
uh, held him in high esteem. Yeah. He was Jewish, but here's what he's saying. Yeah. Great yeah, that was that was one of those things where in my message that that was on the cutting room floor that the you 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 we wove that in about Peter holding the keys to the kingdom from the Matthew passage um where where he's proclaimed Jesus as the Christ, the son of God, and then Jesus says you're Peter and on this rock I'll build my church, gives him the keys of the the, the kingdom. And and you painted that picture very very well. I thought that was well, a real that was a real cool kind of uh, turn in there as well too to show how that that played through that. Um, what what were were there things that you wished Ed that you could have gotten to or expounded on a little more? I wish I could have gotten to your PowerPoint presentation. That was <laughs> <laughs> you were missing that in the I, classic yes, service, weren't you? I, I shared with John that. Uh, I hadn't preached in a while without having a PowerPoint to yeah. fall back on, so yeah. you don't forget things when you have the PowerPoint there. But yeah. what would you have had on the PowerPoint? Oh, I think just the same outline and stuff. I had, you know, I worked diligently to try to get through it, and uh, I don't think I left anything out. I just, uh, you know, it's how, I think you could spend, you know, three sermons on the Jerusalem. Oh, of Council course. And uh, yeah, you know, then the, you know, maybe the details of what was in the letter that they sent. Yeah, you know, that there, there are books written about those three things that don't are actually four things, but abstain from from drinking blood and animal strangle and yeah. abstain from fornication, what does that mean? And those kind of, you could unpack that. More. Yeah, and, and and explain, you know, I, I looked at that, and I, I kind of just one-lined mm-hmm. that that whole phrase, you know, talking about it, there were, there were moral prohibitions and worship prohibitions, but, but not even going into it, because it is, it, it, it does create a lot of questions in the mind of the congregant. Well, wait a minute, what, what is that about, you yeah. know, and you could go into that a lot. Um, I think for for me the 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 Old Testament side of it that this was something that the Jewish people should always have been anticipating in yeah. a way. I mean, you you mentioned the 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 Isaiah passage that was that you read in in the classic service, and I threw a single line in about that. But really, you go back to Genesis twelve and and roll through the the whole redemptive history and watch how God has been laying the groundwork for the Jewish people to be a light unto the Gentiles. Blessed to, blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Nice. And we could have really, again, in a lot of these messages, we talked about this with Kenny the last several weeks in the Won't You Be My Neighbor series, um, there's a lot of portions of sermons that could be whole sermons in and of themselves sure. and create whole series, but that's the beauty of well, it. Then, and there's a great irony in all that, because God gave the the Jews to the world to show the world what it was like to know him. They, they yeah. were to do that. And here we are in the Jerusalem council with a certain segment of the Jewish people saying, no, 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 we, we're not really interested in the Gentiles uh, uh, per se. We just need to get them under our restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. So, so while, while you were preaching Ed and, and, and I was wondering about it when, when you were preaching as well, uh, Zach, but in the room, I'm thinking, here's this guy who's been to Israel 30 some odd times and he's done the footsteps of Paul. Mm. And I'm just curious, in your head, were, were you visualizing? And were you, Zach, visual? Did you have in your mind places you've seen and been yeah. as you're telling these stories? And what impact did that have? As, if so, what, what impact did that have as you told the stories? Yeah. Well, Ed's been, you know, a lot more times than I've been. I've been once, and, and it still resonates with me. I have pictures on my wall of my time because it, mean, it meant so much to me. I think... Um, you know the the Cornelius mention, right? Mm-hmm. When we talk about Peter's interaction with Cornelius at at Caesarea by the Sea, I, I that day at Caesarea by the Sea, because there's a lot of things that happened there. There are a lot of historical things, and we went uh, up up and down that coast area. To me, the visual of that. 
just the I can I can still feel it. I mean, I can still feel that that breeze there. I can still feel that and the smell. We went in a uh, in a Mar, uh, February March time frame, and that 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 really just those sorts of things. Yes. What what it does, and and I think you've said this before, Ed, about about going to Israel. And it's it can be cliche, it can sound cliche, but it's really true. You go there, and the Bible is now three dimensional. Um, it's it's you feel High it, def. you smell it, <laughs> yes. because when you go and when I think of Jerusalem and I think of those the the you know the four quarters, I I know what the, I smell the smells. I mean, I still can. You know, I can I have I've, I've audio recordings. Of walking through the streets and just the sounds of the marketplace and all that. To me, that's. See, I, I think it shows. I mean, it, it, it may not be obvious, but it, you know, you can almost see that in the mind's yeah. eye of the preacher, you in this case, and you in this, both of you. It it's you can see you're you're telling a story that because you're you're a witness to that story. Yeah. You've been there. Yeah. I I usually can tell within the first five minutes of a pastor's message whether or not he's been to Israel. Yeah. It just becomes that you know, like you, it's that noticeable. Yeah, you get excited. Oh my gosh! You, yeah, I mean, to, to go to Caesarea Maritime and see the ruins of the three houses of yeah. the key officials, other than Herod. Yeah, one of those had to be Cornelius's house. You yeah. can stand in the ruins of one of the three places yeah. it had to be where he was. Yeah, that's just mind-boggling. I know. And it really, then you is. see. You know, you've been to Jaffa, which is just 65 miles down the coast, yep. but Peter had to walk 65 miles yep. up the coast to get there. It yeah. was always with a great more effort than we. We have. It was yeah. a lot easier on, on a bus for yes. us. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was actually Jaffa and Caesarea by the Sea. Those were our first stops when we got oh, there. Okay. Flow into Tel Aviv and went straight there. And cool. I, I'll never, never forget being so jet lagged. But then as soon as we walk out of the bus, it's like everything Game changes. On. I mean, yeah. it's like everything, cool. some gear switches on. Yeah. When we're thinking about the Jerusalem Council, you know, you think about um, the amount of people. That 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 traveled to that moment. Um, talk to me, Ed, about your kind of mentality about what the debate was like. I mean, it's summarized in the phrase "after much debate." <laughs> you know. Well, it's interesting you say that because you know the the, the Jews are historically great debaters. I mean, yeah. if you have to go to court, you want to find a good Jewish lawyer. Yeah. I taught James four last night in a small group, and again the the. James starts out and he says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? They're good at it. And the people around the Mediterranean are good at debate. They're good at hammering things out. And they're good at coming to resolution. I think much more so than we are. We tend to keep things in and and hold a grudge. They got it all out. I mean, Peter and James and John and the Judaizers, they got it all out. Then they made a decision. I think there's something else that the church can learn. And they had unity without necessarily being unanimous. Because yeah. when the decision was made, yeah. they all went with it. And yeah. in a lot of churches, we have uh, we have people that they're going to vote no just because they don't want everybody to vote yes. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But I love the idea of the unity that they had coming out of the council, which changed the whole uh, track of the church and ultimately changed Western civilization. Oh, after, totally. the, after the council, Paul, points, uh, Paul goes on the second missionary journey. Mm-hmm. He has a little split with Barnabas, but... The second journey is the is the most geographically widespread of all the journeys. He gets to Greece, the, he gets to Athens, mm-hmm. the cultural 
hub and, of the and you world. Know, you know, he had to have had that that strength, that that's sort of that spiritual high of of the Jerusalem Council in order to kind of withstand some of the things he had on no, that. Man. He was beat up in every. He was run Everywhere out of every town he went, he went to. Yeah. In, in the know, second, the, the 25,000 angry Ephesians. You know, <laughs> yep. in that one one yep. moment. And he's ready to he's ready to face them all down right ready, in the middle. He's, he's ready, ready to go inside and jump he's, in. He's like, oh. yeah, I'm not going away. <laughs> By the way, I love that. I loved how you both kind of got, got to that point where there's this debate going on, but you both brought out the silence. Yeah. I mean, here you you just said it. They're great debaters, but after that was that was over, they sat in silence. And, and and it's because of who was speaking and what he was saying. You know, Peter, like you said, you mentioned in your message, the keys of the kingdom, but it also seen what God was doing in the lives of the of people that were polar opposite from the Jewish people, the Gentiles and the Samaritans, and had mm-hmm. witnessed it firsthand and had reluctantly accepted it himself. Because yes. Peter was not Peter was not at least I mean, Paul uh, who who you know was raised in this this Jewish mentality and was on the road to Pharisaism, uh, passionately persecuting the church, but comes to faith in Jesus and then passionately goes into the way of of Christianity even towards the Gentiles. Peter is somewhat of a reluctant, uh, kind of convinced of the the Gentile inclusion, but he gets up, he talks, everybody shuts up. Yes, that'll shut him up. Yeah. <laughs> And then they're you and, said that, did you? That, yeah, yeah, that will, yeah. And then they're ready to hear what God has already been doing. And then all the cultural stuff yeah. goes away. And all only thing that matters is Paul and Barnabas testifying not to what they've done, but it says what God has done. And that to me is such yeah, a brilliant. They are saved as we are. Yeah. By and, grace. And, and he shows them both, this is not you. And then you both went to the the image of the bridge builder. Yeah. You both used that that image. Did you guys talk about that image ahead of time? We didn't, but it was in the it was on the it was on the the insert. Oh, the it was on the yeah, flyer. Yeah, yeah. It was on the insert. Well yeah. and it, and so Ed and I had we had talked at worship council, John you or worship uh, planning, John, you were there, we're talking about suggested things that we want to give the folks. We want to give them something, because we could say, go build bridges with other cultures or people that are not like you, and be like, yeah, I'll do that, but basically that just, you know, means, you know, they're they're going to sit on a different side of the restaurant after church. Um, we wanted to give them some practical things, and, and we talked about, I sent you, Ed, and I showed it to you, John, a list of what I could get on a half sheet of paper, basically, mm-hmm. with making it as easy as possible for people. And the image that came to my mind is that there's this bridge that's coming across. And, and Ed, one of the things that you did in your message, and you actually used the Latin priest, uh, the Latin Pontifax. for priest was Pontifax, which means, you mentioned it, someone yeah, bridge who, builder, someone who I mean, built, who yeah. is the bridge. And in that case, it's God to man and, and man to God. But also, in, in the case of the Jerusalem Council, Paul and Barnabas acted in that priestly role, mm. acting as bridges from the Jerusalem Council, the, the, the Jewish Church, to the Gentiles. And uh, that, to me, I think that was, that, that was a brilliant stroke, mentioning that priesthood thing, but then also seeing what Paul and Barnabas did, because it wasn't James, and it, or it wasn't Peter, and it wasn't the whole council. They had to choose a collection of guys mm. who were going to go to cultures that weren't their own, um, to places that with folks that weren't raised like them and talk like them, to, to bring the good news of Jesus in a way that was compelling and winsome, and, and they acted as those, as those bridges in those places. And we call the congregation to do likewise. Both of us do the same thing. We call well, I thought it was really important, though, that, that, that we did call, you did call the congregation to do that, because mm-hmm. sometimes that, that, um, 
that taking those steps yeah. to, to go to that woman that you met in the line of the PETA sandwich place and yeah. or doing these things that were on that, that list, they're, they're, they're huge in people's minds, but yeah. still, you, you know, you look, you guys, you laid it out. The, this, the early church, they did it. That's what these guys were doing. Yeah. And it's and we, scary. Yes. It's yeah. scary for people. I had a guy come up to me last night and he was in the sermon on Sunday and he said, I didn't know I could go visit the synagogue. I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and and to me, I thought the one that was probably the biggest ask is, at first I thought it was going to be, you know, maybe maybe suggesting going to the Islamic uh, Center of Lakeland, but then I realized, no, the, probably the biggest ask is getting a Republican go to a Democratic <laughs> event. Yeah, I, think Democratic you're right. event. I had a lady I think after you're the right. first service, and uh, that's that's where you lost me. That's a, br- <laughs> that's a, bridge, that's a bridge too a bridge far. Too far. <laughs> that's a bridge too far. Yeah. That's great. Well, it was, but that's you know, it, it's... Again, all, all f- folks created in the image of God for whom Jesus Christ died. And if we can't get past the walls, the barriers, the cultural stuff, then what are we doing? And, of course, it's not to just to get them to do it one time. It's no, to get, no. To, it's just to initiate a habit of, of, of bridging those those gaps. Yeah, absolutely. A way of life. Well, Ed, thanks for stopping by and hanging out for a little bit. We appreciate you being here. Uh, John, as always, thanks for hanging out in the armchair with us. Uh, just as a reminder for anybody listening, if you missed any one of the messages, check us out on our website, fpclakeland.org, or you can check out our YouTube page. Uh, just search for FPC Lakeland, and you can look for any one of our messages that you may have missed. If you've missed any one of the Armchair Preaching podcasts, be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you are notified when a new episode drops. Thanks again, guys. And uh, for everyone listening, we'll talk to you again next week.